This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Thank you for joining us. And we got our 115-degree weather back in Phoenix, so uh, that's always a lot of bit of fun and learning not to go out too much. But like I've told you before, uh, we moved out a year ago, and I just thought in the beginning, oh, I can just go outside when it's 110. It ain't going to make much difference, but I soon figured out, no, that, that does make a difference, and you can dehydrate real quick. So a lot of fun things out here in the desert, and a couple of announcements uh, in most of the month of October, I'm going to be in Europe speaking on porn addiction and recovery. And October 12th to 14th, we will be at the Creative Christian Resource Exhibition in Sandown in the UK near London. We're talking to people there about also doing a From Porn to Grace conference there in the UK. And then October 23rd to 25th. I'm signed up to lead a men's retreat in a solo del Gran Sasso in the center of Italy. So if you're in Europe or in the UK, you want us to stop by, you want to put up, um, help us set up a conference, let me know and let's start the conversation. And we always need prayer in a frontline ministry like this, and we see plenty of warfare. And so we get a lot of emails Every day, not only from people looking for help, but also we get a lot of nasty emails with a lot of caustic and even just plain out disgusting comments that I'm not going to go into. But And then last weekend, we have the Real Christian website, and, and somebody tried a brute force hack on that, which fortunately I work with a great IT guy, and he caught it, and we had a good firewall and shut it down. But all that to say that this is an issue, the things we bring up here about sexual purity, that the enemy is doing a really profound and a powerful job in keeping it shut down, and so we would appreciate your prayers as you think of us. And ultimately, recovery from porn addiction and sexual sin of any type is about recovery and healing for the marriage. Because what happens is most men don't decide to get real help until after they're married, Often 10, 20, 30, even 40 years after being married, we get calls from people, guys in their 60s, 70s. I even got a call from an 80-year-old guy recently, and their lives have been destroyed. And it's not rare for us to get a call from a 60-year-old wife saying, hey, I've been married for 40 years, and I just found out for the first time what my husband is doing. So... We put an equal emphasis on the wife as we do the husband because if she doesn't heal, then the marriage cannot heal. And so both sides 
the healing of both sides is critical. And today I have in studio Gene Landers with his wife, Chris, and welcome the two of you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to start, Gene. I'm just going to have you share your story and launch into it. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. Like a lot of uh, young men, my porn addiction or introduction to it started when I was in grade school. I was actually five years old. And of all people, my mother showed me uh, pornography pretty much on a regular basis. And then so did my um, older brothers. And I grew up in a home where um, it was just crazy chaotic and that porn addiction, you didn't realize it was an addiction at the time, but uh, that turned into sexual abuse from my mom from age 5 to 12. And then um, I lived by myself because my parents were divorced. My dad uh, was gone six days a week, so it was just myself in the home by myself. And I was good in school. I was good in sports, but that's where I would go to medicate myself was looking at uh, magazines. And I didn't really think anything of it at the time, and that just kept going on and through junior high and high school. And most of my friends did it, so I didn't really think that much about it. And then, you know, through college, and then once I got married, I said, well, I'll, I'll quit doing that. But um, it was like a disease I had that I didn't know I had, and all of a sudden it exploded, and um, I thought I could just stop it. I couldn't. Uh, I kept running back to that if... Uh, I felt abandoned or hurt or angry. There was a bunch of trigger points. And I just tried to white knuckle it and say, I'm going to quit doing it. But it um, it totally interfered with my first marriage. And um, 15 years later, we were divorced. And um, I was a Christian at this time. And a lot of things in my life changed except that that was the secret I held on to. Um, I was a street fighter. I used to get in fights all the time. And when I became a Christian, I quit fighting. And there was a lot of changes, except I didn't know how or where or who to talk to this about. And I didn't even think I needed to, but it was a secret. And I learned that keeping stuff like this a secret gives it power. So when it exploded and I wanted to quit, it just came unraveled and I didn't know what to do. So I did start going to um, a recovery group and I felt like I was making progress and I could go periods of time without looking at it. Um, I, I was a single man now, but it would always creep back up and it would get, um, one thing I learned that looking at magazines progress to the internet, you know, your cell phone, and it progressed all the way to I was doing things that I never, ever thought I could imagine or picture myself doing. And I I walked away from the church. I walked away from God, so I thought, and um I literally tore my Bible in half and said, I'm done with this. And I was just, I 
went up to Mammoth Mountain to get away, try to find myself, find God. And, and you know how God pursues you. Even though I wasn't reading my Bible, I, I was reading books that would really minister to, to me. And um, I did seek God up there, and I rededicated my life to Christ. And I said, I'm going to go back to church, the church that I left. And that day I went back, the subject was the prodigal son. So I really felt hope for the first time. And while I was up in Mammoth, um, I had actually friends introduced me to this gal and said, oh, you've got to meet her. And I said, God, I don't want to meet anyone unless it's of you. And long story short, um, Chris and I met. I was in Mammoth. She was in Phoenix. I asked her if she wanted to move to Mammoth and be a ski bum with me, and she said no. So next thing you know, I'm living in Phoenix, and uh, we were engaged, uh, married six months later, and we thought, well, we're mature Christians, and this is going to be pretty easy. I mean, I even thought I could write a book on marriage, but <laughs> that's just being naive. And So anyways, um, again, this pornography reared its ugly head again because after the honeymoon's over and the starving problems, that's where I went. I went back to medicate myself with pornography. And I remember one night after a big, big fight, it... Um, I, I crossed the line, and I'll just put it this way. I, I did things, went to places and did things that I crossed the line, doing things I never thought I could imagine myself doing. And my wife found out. And I thought for sure, you know, she's going to leave me. She, you know, she she should leave me. I'm that old worthless, I'm no good, I'm never going to change, just came over me. and um, But in the midst of that, we separated, and I decided I need to find recovery for this because I'm not only ruining my life, I'm ruining my wife's life, and it just, the collateral damage just goes beyond more than what I could expect or imagine. And one of the things that really gave me hope, though, um, when we were separated, Chris asked a good friend, you know, for some counseling and wisdom, and and he said to her, you know, you need to hear from Jesus. She was getting advice from all sorts of friends, you know, leave him and all sorts of things, but her good friend said, you need to hear from the Lord. And Chris was sure about that in a little bit, but she decided, she goes, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to work through this with you. And there were conditions. There were guidelines. There were boundaries. But at that point, I was willing to do it just for me, even if she decided to leave. And I think that's when my real real recovery began. Um, how long, how far into the marriage were you at that point? We had been married two years, and going back a little bit before that, before we came to Arizona, um, the first time it happened when we were married, we were in um, California. Anyways, we uh, went to a church that had a, a recovery program that was really good, and they had a really good counselor, and the grace that 
Chris showed me, because she had every right to leave me, that did something to me. That did something to me inside that, because it was hard for me to deep down believe that God really loves me, that he chose me, because, you know, my parents didn't want me, and it was just, that was my deep core belief. But the fact that she could have left and stayed with me, that really helped grace get from my head into my heart. And that was the beginning. That was the real beginning of me realizing there's hope and that God loved me. And it wasn't always a easy road. There were ups and downs, but I can look back, and that was the beginning of me really uh, coming into full recovery. Um, so... One thing I've learned, uh, if I would stumble and fall, I would just get back up. Uh, being an athlete, uh, got knocked down a lot, and I would get up. I'd get knocked down, and I'd get up. And I did keep pursuing God. I kept pursuing my recovery. And I don't know if the cumulative effect added up, and it just— kind of clicked one day, and I started actually experiencing freedom. I wasn't white-knuckling it. And I went through the things of, like, every addict. I promised I'd never do it again for the millionth time, and I would blow it. But I really experienced the love of Christ and his grace. And I, I watched a, a movie where this pastor was sharing where he had browbeat his— uh, men one weekend for them watching porn. Mm -hmm. Then he went back to his hotel room and binged on pornography. And he was so ashamed. And, you know, where could he go to share his story? And that night he had a dream. He was in prison, and he went down to sit down and have dinner with his fellow prison mates, and no one would sit with him. So he walked over and sat down on a table by himself in his prison clothes and then through the door walked Jesus in prison clothes. And Jesus walked up to him, and the pastor said, You will sit down with me. And Jesus said to him, I'll sit down and have a meal with you anytime, any place, wherever you are. And the pastor said at that moment he realized that there was no place he couldn't go from God. Wherever he goes, he was there. And even in the midst of his addiction and his shame, Jesus Christ was there, and that shame, instead of being a stumbling block, became a bridge, and that's what happened for me, because I was so shame-based, but I was able to let this shame, even in that, connect me more to the Lord, and my healing just has... I can't say just taken off, but there was something different. There was something different. And I went through the phases of, oh, good, I'm done with that. I don't have to deal with that again. Big mistake. Mm -hmm. So right now I live daily. I feel like I'm walking in freedom. But I'm also aware that at any moment, any time, the enemy can bamboozle me and t try to cause me to slip up. So... I'm very careful of, I guard my heart, and that is so important. And like Job said, you know, I make a decision. I'm not going to set anything before my eyes. And 
in one of your books, Mike, I was reading where Jesus said, you know, it's better to cut off your right hand than, and than be cast into hell. And it's better to, if your eye offends you, to, for you to gouge it out. And what I heard you teach was Jesus didn't gouge the eye up for you or cut off the hand. It's, that was my responsibility. So my part in this, I just was very diligent. I also learned I can't do this alone. I found a, a buddy in my small group that uh, had a very similar story, and we started meeting together. And that's when um, we stumbled on uh, this radio show, and I heard your information, and I was so glad, thinking, well, he's probably in Colorado or some far-off country, and find out you were right here in our neighborhood. Uh, it's been such a blessing. So we um, kept meeting together. We got another person joining us, and it's actually we've gone to our church. And at our church campus, we're going to start a men's accountability group with the uh, Blazing Grace materials. And for the first time in my life, which maybe six months ago or a year ago, whenever, but more so and more so, I really feel there's hope. I'm enjoying the blessings of walking in purity and in freedom. I don't have that shame and guilt because I was just clothed in it. I was just, that was me. And um, not saying it's easy, but doing all the things of my part, um, my my phone is blocked. Uh, even if I tried to, I couldn't find anything, uh, adult content on my phone. I also have a, a covenant eyes on my phone where if I did look at something, my wife gets a report of everything I looked at once a week. And it's real important that I don't have the code to that. I can't unblock my phone. And it's just like in Proverbs when it tells the young man, don't walk down the street where the prostitute lives. I had to do something that was um, that was real and just made sense to me. So I've tried to remove every opportunity that I can, surround myself with like-minded um, brothers in Christ, and I just want to encourage anyone out there that um, there is hope. There is hope. And, you know, it started at five years of age for me and went for Gosh, if you start from age five, it went 55 years. Mm. Thanks, Gene. I really appreciate your honesty. Chris, um, I'm curious. I heard Gene talking about his core beliefs, unworthy of love, shame. Did, did you see that in him? Yeah, well, um, I knew his story when we were dating. Of course, he shared how he grew up, and it was much more horrific than he shared. And I know everybody has a story. A lot of people have been abused, but he was he was super abused, um, both sexually and physically. So I knew all those things, but it never occurred to me how that might affect a person's soul, mm -hmm. you know, and so what that would mean in a marriage. It never occurred to me. I didn't even think about porn or anything like that, like, 
would this lead to a sexual addiction? I had no, like God just blinded me to all of that. And so um, after, so I'll share in my story, but like after we got married and I started, you know, finding that those things, I did have a friend that said um, that she really thought I should leave him. And I said to her, um, what will become of him if I leave him? And she said, who cares? And I said to her, well, God does and I do. And somehow God allowed me in his addiction to see um, that it wasn't really about me, that he wasn't a bad person, but uh, it was just a brokenness in him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it is so destructive in a marriage. It's ridiculous. And so I'm not minimizing it. It is against the wife. I mean, the Bible says every sin that we commit is outside of our body, except for sexual sin. It's a sin against your own body. And when you're one, it is a sin against your wife. But but somehow, God, I think, allowed me to see with spiritual eyes at some point in my pain that um, that you know, the enemy attacks young boys and, and young girls, but, but when they're young, I think he targets them for sexual abuse and sexual immorality. And uh, so I just kind of saw that instead of that, that it was about me, but it was not without <laughs> its pain. And it was really heartbreaking and, and, and very hard. Was that friend saying to leave him? Was that somebody in the church? Yes. And I think because you're, you know, I only told a couple people because, you know, you don't want to fully uncover your spouse in this because it, it's so, it's just such a painful journey. But um, it was a good friend. And, um, you know, your girlfriends, they don't want you to go through. She hadn't been through that. And well, actually, she, she had her first husband had done something and they got divorced. And so I think she just didn't want to see me go through that. And so... That was her advice. Mm. So I'm going to ask both of you. Um, today, kids are getting smartphones as early as age six. Mm. Are we in the church reaching our, our youth um, with the message that, you know, we're in a sexually depraved culture and you got to do something? Or what should we be doing? I think um, I think it's a, a pandemic, if I can use that word. Um, I should go to a men's group. And every Thursday morning, we had an average of 400 men show up. We would hear a teaching on various subjects. Then we would sit down at our table, and four out of the five guys said they were struggling with pornography. Mm -hmm. And I just see the damage it's caused, and I think it's just weakens the church. And I think, I think Satan will get to the wife and kids through the husband and mm -hmm. just wants to destroy marriages. And I wish, I hope, and pray that the church will stand up in the power of God to f face this. And um, that's what we're hoping um, this this can do and your program can do. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, can I respond to that? So what I think is that when people, you know, so Satan targets young people with this before they even know Christ. And so then when people give their heart to the Lord, they come into the church and um, with that brokenness. And sometimes I think we think if we just 
invite Jesus into our heart. He just heals everything. But he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so I don't personally think we talk about it enough in the church. I think I think people are coming in with that brokenness and there's shame attached to it and they don't want to talk about it. And and you know, we just don't want to expose that. And and it's hard to talk about. And so I think at church, we just hope that God is healing. <laughs> and he can, he does sometimes, but I think mostly it's, it's we've got to seek healing and help. I think we need more couples like you in front of the churches mm-hmm. to share this, because usually what happens is even if it does get brought up, the wife gets left out. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I really love that you guys came on today. And next week, we're going to hear Chris's story and her side of what she went through. And But I also want to say before we go, um, Gene, you're starting a men's group. Is that growing, going now? It actually starts tonight at 6.30. It's our first meeting. So if you're interested in attending that group, I think it's near Chandler. Please send me an email, and I'll put you in contact with Gene and Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.